page number 52 as we get started tonight. To God be the glory, page number 52. Please give me a drink of water, Peter. Okay, there we go. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood. Believer, the promise of God. Who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him my glory. Great things he hath done. Great things he hath taught us. Great things he hath done. And great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son, but purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, rejoice, oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. 348 redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, 348. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. His child and forever. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever. I think of my blessed Redeemer. 
I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is a theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I know I shall see in his beauty the King in whose love I delight. Who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. Amen. And let's turn over to 380. Jesus saves 380. 380. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward is our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Wafted on the rolling tide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Tell to sinners far and wide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing ye islands of the sea. <clears throat> The ocean caves, I shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing it softly through the gloom. When the heart for mercy craves, sing in triumph for the tomb. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. On that last, give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves is a song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to be together on this night, and we thank you for holding the thunderstorms back until we could be here and be assembled together. We ask you just to take this time and make it profitable for our service for you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And I want to thank each one that prayed for the class, the inner city missions class at Heartland Baptist Bible College. Uh, I'm, I cannot tell you what was actually uh, accomplished. It'll take years for us to know that. But uh, not a one of the students left the way they came. Uh, they all one um, kept saying, "I just, I just can't put it into words. How much I appreciate. Uh, well, I guess I could put it into words, but uh, 
He waited until we pulled up to the curb at 61st and Woodside to drop him off for the Long Island Railroad, and it was kind of like, get out of the van so we don't get run over, you know. And uh, he, he's learned a little bit about New York, but not a lot yet. And uh, so and uh, I dropped Brother Hainline off at the airport this morning. I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but uh, uh, Marshal number... One, two, three, four. Deborah Wells, our missionary to Papua New Guinea, uh, uh, her and her husband had flown in for a meeting in Ohio, and uh, the family called and said, "Are you coming?" And said, "No." Uh, could talk to Joy and Sharon, and they had even talked about rerouting their trip to come here to New York. Couldn't do that, and uh, so we found them some really cheap airplane tickets and. Uh, 4.30 this morning, uh, Joey and I stopped by and picked up Sharon and uh, dropped both of them off at the airport, and they're in, uh, I think, Michigan tonight, and Toledo tomorrow, and New York City on Saturday. So uh, I'm looking forward to Saturday. Uh, uh, I, we do okay with this Mr. Mom, and by the way, I do have all 10, and uh, they're still all alive. You can count them. Um, we'll see how long that lasts, right? No. Uh, we're actually working together very well to get this done. And uh, so pray for uh, them and their travels and that they would get some time with Deborah. And also, uh, for those who would be interested, uh, the main partition wall, the one that goes the whole way across the room, is installed. Uh, and uh, we'll give you a full-fledged demonstration after church tonight. Uh, if anybody anybody interested in that and uh, we'll take you downstairs and show you how that works and um, they made a miss he said it was a miscommunication and so the movable curtains the two walls that come out from the wall uh, they're missing about five and a half foot of that and uh, that has to be made and then shipped from Florida up here and then installed. And so uh, they're working on that. Uh, but what else do you expect? So uh, uh, pray that all the carpet is in. It's stacked up down there. Hopefully uh, tomorrow, uh, Brother Shaw and I will be able to install the rest of the carpet. And uh, it is actually going to start looking like a meeting room down there. And so we praise the Lord for, for what is happening there. And uh, all the students got, we shipped them all home. Seems like the building is empty, but it's kind of nice. And so uh, we'll be, uh, make sure we're in our places. Now Saturday, uh, weather permitting, uh, we'll be going out street preaching, weather unpermitting. Uh, we'll just drop you off at some subway stations and pass out tracks, all right? We'll, we'll be doing something. And, um, and if you'd like, just come over and we'll go through the records and give you a list of phones and let you call some people that haven't been here in a while. And so we'll be working on all of that and then our regular services on Sunday and then uh, keep praying for our 4th of July celebration uh, that we'll be able to do all these things and, and we'll have some fun. I think it'll be a, a, a great time. All right, let's sing one more song and then we'll get into our Bible study tonight. 347, I hope this song is true in your life. Happy in the love of Jesus, 347. 
Okay, just a second. There we go. Home to Zion, we are bound, happy in the love of Jesus. Peace abiding, we have found, happy in the love of Jesus. Happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day, happy. in the love of Jesus. Trusting we will forward go, happy in the love of Jesus. Dreading changing paths below, happy in the love of Jesus. Happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day, happy, Happy in the love of Jesus, we will sing salvation song. Happy in the love of Jesus, all our pilgrim way along. Happy in the love of Jesus, happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day. On that last, soon we'll reach the homeland fair. Happy in the love of Jesus, dwell forever there. Happy in the love of Jesus, happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day. seated. We tried to get enough outlines. Thank you, sir, for filling in to play the piano. And uh, if anyone needs another outline, raise your hand here and we'll try to get you one. We're going to uh, make a move tonight. We're going to try to move from chapter two into chapter three. And uh, we're just going to start reading in verse one of chapter three. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now, I want us just to stop there. and This is really the theme of chapter 3, and it's the theme of the whole Bible, really. Consider Jesus, amen? Uh, the idea of considering is more than just thinking about, it is pondering, it, it, it is uh, meditating, it is uh, sitting down and adding up all of the facts and putting things together. Uh, we are to consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. It would do us all good. One of the things that is very bad about a very pressing time like the last uh, seven, eight days have been with the class and everything, is you do not have time to stop and think. Uh, how many of you have ever been so busy? I mean, you just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, and you don't 
have time to stop and think about things, you have to do that sometimes. Uh, I call it making like a vegetable, vegetative time. You just sit there and... Uh, uh, if you do not do that, it's, it's not just rest that your body needs. You've got to clean this thing out called your brain. And the best thing you can do is to consider Jesus. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us to do. Now, there's a reason. We have wherefore. Um, we go back a couple of weeks here. It's been this will, we, we skipped last Thursday night, Brother uh, Rivera from Philadelphia preached to us and, and enjoyed his message. Uh, but we go back two weeks and we wherefore we consider Jesus. Why? Because he's been tempted. He suffered. He was tempted like we are. It says, for in that he himself suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Now, I love that picture. I love that last desperate stand and just ready to be overwhelmed and all of a sudden you hear the bugle call. Now, Jesus waits sometimes for a reason. It's not because he wants to see how long we can hold on. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's because he is building something in us. You know, sometimes when you have uh, a, a child or even teenagers, this, this is important with teenagers is giving them the opportunity to do things and uh, step out. My, my son Peter said, Dad, I can't do this. I've got to ask you questions about all of these things. I said, you asked too many questions, son. I said, I'm going to give you the responsibility of cleaning up that area out there. Uh, it's called the shanty, a little storage bin behind the kitchen. You know what? He didn't have to ask me 400 questions, and he did a fabulous job. You see, that's called growing up, and it, and it is happening, amen? Uh, I'm excited about that. I really am, and I'm not trying to embarrass him in any way. It's just something we all need. You can remember. But there were a couple of occasions when my son needed just a little sucre out there. He said, I cut the wood up. I thought you said to do it this way. I said, mm, I didn't say cut it that way, Peter. I said, it needs to be cut this way. The only problem is uh, after you cut it, we can't screw it back together again. So we're going to have to go to plan B. Now, God never has to go to plan B. But we do. Amen? And that's when God comes in and he rescues us. That's why we need to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? is he is always there to succor us. He is there to get us out of trouble. He is the one that's going to keep us going. And nobody minds. It's, it feels warm up here. But uh, we also go back. Jesus did not take upon him the nature of angels. Aren't you glad about that? Jesus came to save sinners. That's us. That's human beings. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren. Now, you have to stop and think about that. 
I mean, how many times have I been walking through this building and I'll hear screaming? I'll stop for a minute. Ah, that's one of mine. I better take care of it. Oh, wait a minute. Praise the Lord, that's not one of mine. Somebody else is going to have to take care of that. Uh, you hear little kids screaming on the street, and sometimes it's my children, and sometimes it's somebody else's. But Jesus said, listen, I'm not ashamed to identify with these people called Christians. Now, you have to remember, not everyone that uses the name Christian is truly saved. And we're going to get to that. That's, that's what chapter 3 is really all about. That's one of the reasons we need to consider Christ, because just using the name is not enough to get you into heaven. There is some things that have to happen here. The greatest revelation God has given mankind, the greatest amount of knowledge, the greatest thing that God has done to teach us about himself was sending Jesus Christ to walk in human flesh. If we want to know about God, we need to study the life of Jesus Christ. That's why four whole books of your New Testament are devoted to it. And we're, we're not going to take time to go through all those books. We're just trying to make the connection here. And now... Uh, the, he, book of he, the writer of the book here is going to make another comparison. He's going to make another connection here. And we're going to start in verse 2. Who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man, Jesus, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the, than the house." For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Now, if you just do a cursory reading, uh, just a quick perusal of this passage, you would almost begin to believe that there was a requirement to having salvation of you firmly keeping something until the end. But we're going to put that in context here. Uh, actually, there's many people that have gone through this passage and gone through the book of Hebrews and, and, and actually were snared by these words because they refused to put them in the context of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we go back here and we're, we're making the comparison between Jesus and Moses. Now, there's a reason that Moses is brought in. This book is called the book of Hebrews. What makes a Hebrew a Hebrew is the Old Testament law. We got the Old Testament law through Moses. From God, yes, but through Moses. Moses was the revelator. Moses was the man who began to reveal God's law. Now, it's interesting. 
if we can just chase a little rabbit here. Um, at 4.30 this morning, we were on our way to the airport, and just to stay awake, I turned on the radio, and it was the last dregs of that late-night program. Uh, uh, I, I call it Space Mountain or Spaced Out or something. I mean, these guys are nuts. And... Uh, they had, uh, it's called, uh, what is it called? Coast to Coast AM, that's what it is, with George Norrie. And uh, if you ever just want to listen to stupidity on demand, that's what this program is all about. And the guy was talking about the construction of the Great Pyramids and how that this limestone just grew out of the ground and they carved the Great Sphinx and, and uh, how that they built these pyramids and and we don't know how they built them. So that must mean that aliens came from outer space, something like that. I, I wasn't listening to that part, but he just went on and on about how there's no evidence for a man named Moses to ever existed in all in the Ten Commandments and Joseph and, and all of these things. Well, the reason why there's no evidence in his mind is because he's still looking for the spiritual significance of the Great Pyramid of whatever his name was out there in the, in the uh, land of Egypt. And he's trying to find the mysteries. The only problem is it was so important to mankind and the knowledge that these Egyptians had was so critical to the human race that it's been lost forever and we've been fine without it for about 4,000 years, and this guy is still looking for it. I'll tell you what. These historians, quote-unquote, fruitcakes, nut jobs, brainless wonders, whatever you want to call them, uh, they refuse to give the Bible its proper place in history. They want to go to Hammurabi's code. Oh, it's such... Hammurabi's code. That Moses must have borrowed from Hammurabi's code in order to, to come up with such a just system. Well, if I'm not mistaken, Hammurabi's code isn't too awful far from what they call Islamic law, you, you lost your hand for stealing and different things like this. I mean, it was, you can't compare anything invented by man to the beauty and the holiness of this book called the Bible. It's just not there. And so if you want to probe the depths of the Great Pyramids, be my guest, I'll stick with God's Word. If you want to go read Hammurabi's Code, just brush up on your cuneiform and your ancient Sumerian languages and learn your runes and all of those wonderful things. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to come up with something vastly inferior to what's already printed in English in your King James Bible. Because this is God's Word, not man's. Now, that's just a neat little rabbit. We needed to uh, just do all that because we've got to understand how great Moses is. How great a man Moses was. 
Because our context and our understanding of today has been so focused on Jesus Christ that when we look at Moses and some of these other people, we just naturally go, yeah, but Moses was a man. But he was, he was just a man. Yeah, but when we compare Moses to what the world knows and the people in the world, he is without peer. The Roman Republic, their judicial system was nowhere near as just and as fair as what was established in this book called the Bible. Western civilization, modern jurisprudence, everything that you and I look to when we say, I want my rights, I have my rights as an American, is all based on what Moses gave us. These dirty, rotten, scoundrel, slip-and-fall, ambulance-chasing lawyers. I don't have much respect for those kind of people. Like John Edwards, all right? And Ron Kuby and a few others. In law school, they all study this law. They have to. Because everything that they're going to do is based upon what is written down in this book called the Bible. Now, they don't do that in Cambodia, by the way. They don't do that in uh, uh, Thailand or Burma or uh, many of these other eastern countries. And that's why their judicial systems are just so just and wonderful, isn't it? No, it's not. It's some of the most corrupt and vaguely judicial systems known to mankind. Why? Because there's no basis here. I just want us to set the foundation here for a man called Moses. How great he truly was and how vastly superior this law that is given in this Bible is to anything that mankind has ever been. It's a true statement. There's about two and a half million laws on the federal law books, and every one of them is trying to keep the Ten Commandments. I got in a little trouble in jury duty doing that one time. The prosecuting attorney said, Can you keep the law in this courtroom without bringing the Bible into it? And I looked at her and I said, Ma'am, the last time I checked, Every law of this land was based upon this book. I didn't serve on that jury. I wasn't really upset either. Uh, having to listen to a week of that would have tried my patience, I'm afraid. But everything we have today called freedom in the United States is based upon Moses. It's not based upon, oh, who is that British? Black, black stone. I knew I had part of it. Uh, Blackstone's law and all of this. Listen, it says Jesus was faithful in his house to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all of his house. Here's the comparison between Moses and Jesus. Moses was faithful in his house. Moses, in essence, 
the Bible, the writer of the book of Hebrews here, is saying, listen, he who builded the house hath more honor than the house. Now that's not very deep, is it? In fact, the book of Hebrews is not near as deep as many people try to make it. If we'll just read what it says. Hey, if you can build a house, you build a building, you, you do these things. Hey, that's, that's really good. But the builder is a little smarter than the building. Amen? Now, I know some of you are going to have to stretch to get a hold of that tonight with all this humidity and everything that's going on. And you got the, uh, well, I don't know what you call it. It feels like a leftover winter cold running around. But uh, if my voice cracks, it's because uh, I got it from Andrew. But uh, we, we look here and we say, listen, the builder has more honor than what he built. No problems there, right? That's pretty easy to grasp. Let's move on. It says, For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses was ver was, and Moses verily was faithful in all his house. Now here's the important phrase. As a servant. Moses was faithful in everything that God revealed to him, in everything that he wrote down. He is the human author of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I shocked that Jewish salesman by being able to quote to him the exact number of commandments in the Jewish law. And as he looked at it, I said, all 613 commandments, and his eyes got about that big around. I said, there are 613, aren't there? And he says, yeah, there are. Uh, he didn't know what to do with some Gentile that knew that much about his law. It's because it's important to us. It's important to this world. And Moses was faithful as a servant. Why? Uh, we won't take time to go there. But, uh, oh, let's do it. Grab your pens and turn and write down Galatians. Galatians chapter three and uh, verses nineteen through twenty-four. This gives us the connection between the law and Jesus Christ, and that's really what the comparison here is that is being made in the book of Hebrews, it's not only Moses compared to Jesus, it is the law that Moses gave by revelation of God compared with the grace and the message that Jesus Christ brings through his death, burial, and resurrection. And we start in verse 19 of, of Galatians chapter 3. It says, Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now let's go down here to verse uh, 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. 
But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now we're going to stop our reading right there. We're trying to make this connection between Moses and Jesus Christ. It says in the book of Hebrews where we just read that Moses was faithful in all of his house. He was faithful as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. Now the testimony that Moses left us is what we call the uh, Pentateuch, the first five books of our Bible, uh, the first part of the Old Testament, God's law. And that testimony is to do one thing for you and I. It is to teach us that we have broken God's law, number one. You know, law has become so elastic today that we really have very little true conviction and true understanding of what it means to break laws. Now, if you do something really horrible, murder somebody or uh, murder 15 people, I mean, it seems like the number's got to be up there anymore. Just killing one person isn't so bad anymore, at least according to the newspaper. Uh, unless it's an Iraqi insurgent, then you can get really get in trouble for killing just one person. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, get a little tired of some of this stuff. We need to understand. Hey, yeah, if, if an American soldier killed an innocent civilian, that is a crime and needs to be dealt with. But could we at least have the same outrage for those who committed those horrid atrocities upon our soldiers, tortured and mutilated their bodies so that they had to do DNA testing to figure out who they were for sure? Could we have a little justice in this thing? A little equal understanding of what's going on? You see, that's what the law of God does. It doesn't excuse any sin by anyone. What is our favorite thing to do? Woo, 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 woo. Pulls you over. How fast were you going? But officer, I was signaling, signaling before I changed lanes every time. And officer, I was just keeping up with the traffic. I didn't want to impede the flow of traffic. And officer, I have my seatbelt fastened and everybody in here. Is he really interested in all the laws that you kept? Absolutely not. He's interested in that one nasty little rule that you broke. Isn't that true? Now, what do we do when we get into trouble? We start listing all of the things that we did right. Isn't that what we do? I don't know who taught my children this, but I mean, I, it's like studying a law book sometimes. But Dad, don't you understand? I, I, I did this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And I mean, they give me a whole long list of every right thing that they've ever done. And I appreciate that. I really do. I, I love obedience. The only problem we have is that... Uh, little infraction of the rules there, whatever it might happen to have been, being mean to a brother or a sister or not cleaning your room and being obedient to mom and dad or 
or one of those little things, you've got to deal with the problem. Amen? They're not interested. God is not interested in all the right things that you're doing. He's interested in the times that you have broken his laws. That's the testimony that Moses has left us. Because it is that testimony of breaking God's laws that teaches us that we cannot keep God's laws. That we cannot be righteous enough to earn this thing called salvation and that no matter what we do as human beings, we have got to understand that God's law is a testimony to bring us to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because only there is the payment made for sin. You want to understand how serious sin is? Read the story of the cross. First time I asked this question, I got a gasp. I said, did Jesus die for breaking the speed limit? I had a half of people here say, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did, because it's still sin. Did Jesus die for telling white lies? Yes, he did. Did Jesus die for gossip? Yes, he did. Jesus died for murder, adultery, hatred. Jesus died for unkind words, disobedience to parents, inward thoughts that nobody else but God knew you were thinking and allowing to dwell in your heart and in your life. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, spent some time comparing the law to grace. He said, it says of an old time, thou shalt not kill. And you shouldn't kill. But he said, if you've hated someone in your heart, according to grace, you've murdered them already in your heart. It says, thou shalt not commit adultery. He says, but if you look to lust, he said, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Now that's what Jesus died for on the cross. We just need some good old-fashioned conviction, amen? Some good old-fashioned understanding. It used to be that society as a whole had regulations and had barriers that shouldn't be crossed and things that you just wouldn't do in, in, in company or where someone could see you because you would be accused of having poor character used to be when a young man and a young woman were dating. That it was the young man's responsibility to protect the testimony and the character of, of this young lady. 
That's why often when they went a courting, as they used to say in the old days, the young man would show up on dad's porch. And uh, they even had courting candles. And uh, it had a spring, and the candle holder wound up inside the spring. And so if dad really liked this guy, he would wind the candle high, and it could burn for a long time. If dad didn't like it, he wound the candle down, and the guy was gone in five minutes. Because as soon as the flame touched the top of that spring, he was supposed to leave. And, uh, but... Let me tell you, they were not alone on the porch. There were eyes coming out from the window behind the seat, watching everything that went on. You say, that's cruel. No, that's safe. Amen? That's good. It protects young people from themselves. You know what puppy love is? It's what makes puppies act like dogs, right? We don't need that. What we need is an understanding that when God said something, He did so for a reason. And His law was given to teach us the difference between right and wrong. Now, if we wanted to solve about 90% of our political problems today, all we have to do is get a good understanding of the purpose of the law. The law is to convict and punish those who break it. That is the purpose of the law. We think if we pass a law that people will stop unlawful behavior. You know, I, I saw an article, I didn't read the whole thing, it was called Ashtoria, A-S-H, Storia. It was talking about all the restaurants in Astoria that are just scoffing at the anti-smoking laws. And I thought, no, not in Astoria. People are paying attention to those things. Sure enough, right up here on 30th Avenue, uh, my wife and I, Took a little evening just to go get a hamburger, and it was a lousy hamburger. And two or three people came into that restaurant and sat, and we got the smoke while we were trying to eat these lousy hamburgers. I won't tell you what restaurant it was. But, hey, people just don't care. They're just going to go on and do what they do because... They want to. I'm a New Yorker. I do what I want to do, where I want to do it, when I want to do it. Understand? I'm working on my Brooklyn accent. Let me tell you. We've got to understand when we come to God's law, and this is about all the farther we're going to get tonight, that transgressing God's law is a serious offense. Every one of law, God's laws, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the earth. 
what well, you don't honor your parents and that word honor means more than just obey in fact Jesus said listen in the, in the New Testament he's criticizing the Pharisees he said you say if you dedicate your lands and your houses to God you can't even give your father and mother what they need to live off of that he said you're not honoring your parents by supporting them when you get old he said you make God's law of none effect it's more than obedience it is honoring it is taking care of it is respecting your parents one of the reasons I am alive today is because my dad instilled three rules in my life. Now, it's not the only reason, but these, these three rules really have helped me. Uh, I really didn't have a problem with the first two, never to smoke, never to drink. The third one was never to ride a motorcycle. Now, I'm alive today because of that rule. I've come so close to death in, in several cars, and, and I just couldn't imagine what had happened to me if I didn't have all that sheet metal wrapped around me. Uh, I wouldn't be here. Let's just say that's... You see, my dad knew enough about his son that he didn't have enough sense to ride anything that didn't have at least four wheels and a lot of protection. And uh, I've honored my father. If I had not honored my father and tried to do a halfway cross-country trip to Bible college on a motorcycle, let me tell you, uh, I fell, almost fell asleep at the wheel many times in the car, and because I was in a car, I was able to wake up, get, off, get back in the road, and pull off somewhere, take a nap, but if you're on a motorcycle, you don't have that opportunity. You drift very close to, next, to the semi-truck next to you, and let me tell you, you're going under the truck. Uh, on a motorcycle. In a car, at least you can pull back. And, uh, you know, uh, my dad knew enough about me to know, and my other brothers, that we just didn't need to do that. Hey, now, maybe you have more sense than I do. I'm not preaching against motorcycles tonight. But what I'm saying is, I honored my father and just obeyed him there. And I'm the beneficiary of that, let me tell you. I got both legs, both hands, both arms, and uh, I'm the beneficiary of that. Is it evil to ride a motorcycle? Absolutely not. But just honor your parents. I remember sitting one man down, he said, I just can't understand my dad. He just, he's just never pleased with anything I do. I said, listen, I said, speak it, let me tell you something from somebody who knows. Your dad's not going to live forever, all right? Put up with him a little while. That's one of God's law. Put up with your mom if she bugs you and, and, and is tough on you. Chances are, if you do, you outlive her and then you can do whatever you want, right? No. Chances are, if you honor your parents, you're the one that's going to benefit. That's just one illustration of God's law and how it works. If we will just get a hold of this thing called the law of God. I mean, listen, Moses was a great man. 
But when we compare Moses to Jesus Christ, there's absolutely no comparison. Because he who built all things is God. Amen? And Jesus is God. But let's not use that understanding and that comparison to diminish who Moses is and what he did and the message that God gave him. It is still far superior to anything that can be compared to it. And if we will just get a hold of this thing, Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant. Verse 6. But Jesus as a son over his own house. Moses was the faithful servant. Jesus is the faithful Lord. There's a difference. Moses did what he was told to do. Jesus was the one who was telling Moses what to do. Therefore, we need to think about Jesus. And one of the ways that we need to think about Jesus, and one thing that will help you understand more about Jesus, is study the Old Testament law. That's why I like the reading schedule that we're going through. If you've been following that since the first of the year, you're going to have your entire New Testament read in just a few weeks. You're going to have gone through the entire book of Psalms, and you'll have gone through Proverbs six times. Now, that's really good. Amen? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. How many get their Bible reading schedule? Because we don't want to tempt anyone to say, oh, they're all looking at me. I better put my hand up when I didn't. And uh, but listen, let's, let's work at that thing. It will help you get into this book called the Bible. You need to read the whole thing. It is one book made up of 66 books. And by the way, if you hear anybody talking about the books that didn't make it, there's a reason why they didn't make it, because they don't belong, all right? Mr. Brown and his Da Vinci Code has not found anything that the heretics of 1,800 years ago didn't have. The only difference between Mr. Brown and a guy named Origen, who believed most of what Mr. Brown believes, is Origen's been in hell since about 250 A.D., and Mr. Brown's heading there. Um... If he believes what he says in his book, he's had to reject every truth about Jesus Christ in his person. We're here to think about Jesus, consider him, his holiness, his integrity, his godliness, his honesty. And yet, you know, we haven't even done anything human-wise that begins to compare with the law that God gave Moses in the Old Testament. How much greater should that lift Jesus in our understanding of things? Mankind has made some great accomplishments. But the greatest things that mankind has done 
has all been in agreement with this book called the Bible. A free society is the greatest accomplishment of mankind. You don't get that unless you got it from this book called the Bible. Let's consider Jesus. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that you would give us grace to be your servants, that you would help us to consider Christ Jesus. Lord, it says he's the apostle and high priest of our profession. We ask that you would use this time to strengthen us in your word and in our admiration of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. And we're going to finish that prayer. If you need to come forward.